Yes, so today is the last, uh, you know, uh, sermon about, uh, you know, this um, series of In Suffering. And uh, in this series, we've just been looking at the truth uh, that, you know, often God does not remove our pain, but he actually entered, enters into the pain uh, with us. And uh, it has been really encouraging to uh, hear testimonies and stories of how God uh, has been moving, uh, you know, through, throughout this series. Uh, I had a story uh, because we've been having people stand up who are going through difficult times, uh, who are going through pain. We've been having them stand up and the people to pray for them. And there was one man who stood up and the people stood around him and prayed for him. And uh, he had shared of um, uh, his wife who's been suffering uh, you know, of cancer. And uh, the people just prayed uh, with him. And it was his first time to come to flood. And uh, one of the members in that group, uh, you know, said, you know what, I, I would like to connect with you a bit more. Uh, so they said, you know, we can actually come uh, to your home. So that same day, uh, they caught them and discovered they actually just stayed down the street. Him and his family, they're actually neighbors with this member from our church community. So they went, visited them, and prayed for them. Talk about being a church. That's what it is. Being a church, being in that community, we do not have the answers, but just being there for people is amazing. Uh, because we have talked about God provides his comfort, and one way that he provides his comfort is the presence of another person. Uh, so thank you for responding to that. Um, you know, I also shared a story of a young person uh, who came to the SOT conference. Uh, he brought shoes to come to the SOT conference. But we also heard of his uh, struggle that he cannot pay for his tuition. And I just say, share that story to just as an example of the struggles that young people are facing. And I never called people to action at all. But at the end of the service, a young man came to me and said, I want to be a, a contributor to that story. And another couple said, you know what, I want to actually be a contributor to that story as well. So he is now back in school and praise the Lord. Thank you guys for being the church. Head of his story just, uh, you know, last week of, uh, uh, you know, a young person and who have just been blessed through one of our members in our church community uh, that, uh, you know, he has been wanting to go to, uh, you know, to college. And uh, he had applied to go into college, uh, but, you know, he couldn't get in because he didn't have the tuition. And God spoke to one of our church members and blessed them. And now the young man is in school. Praise God for that. One pastor came in, uh, I think the second week into the series, and um, his wife was pregnant, and um, he just lost his job, and uh, he was just down. And when he had one of the sermons, he, he said, you know what, actually God spoke to me, and that I could trust him. And then uh, we, we prayed together, and uh, I think a few days after that, he came back to our church office and said, guess what, God has given me two jobs this week, and I'm taking them all. I'm like, that's amazing. Praise the Lord. And also God blessed them with a baby girl as well. Beautiful stuff. So sometimes God takes away the very thing that brings us pain. But sometimes he doesn't. And he affirms of his presence with us. He affirms of his pre presence with us. And when you're going through suffering, you know, you... You can either run away from God or you can run to God. 
Because suffering can take you away. Pain can sometimes take, away, take you away from God if you choose. You can question God. Does God really love me if he does these things? He does not love me at all. And therefore you run away. Or you can say, you know what? I want to run to him. Because I have no any other hope. No any other hope apart from him. He is my hope. Sometimes, you know, we can see suffering only from uh, the bad side. I grew up in a charismatic uh, movement, as some of you have heard uh, me share the stories. And uh, we used to sing a song, a Nigerian song. Me no go suffer. Me no go beg for bread. And what that means is I'm not going to suffer. I'm not going to beg for bread. So the entire time, eh? Ten minutes, me, uh, no, go, just singing like that. You know, associating suffering that when there is suffering, God is not a part of it at all. He's not in that at all. And we're saying, me, I no go suffer. Me, no go for bread. And the next day we're knocking on somebody else's door. But you know what? God is like a father whose child has a tumor. And uh, the father is also a surgeon, and uh, he had to operate on his own child. And to operate, it means he has to cut his own child to remove the very thing that brings pain to his child. This is a different type of wound, the wound that brings healing. There will be some sort of suffering in your healing, but it is for good. It is for good. It is for great purpose. In the passage that we have read, we are seeing the story of Paul. And Paul, uh, you know, was uh, actually wrestling. He was fighting certain battles. You know, there were people that, uh, you know, would only proclaim the greater and the beautiful things of God. And they were actually being called to be super apostles. These are super apostles. Uh, so Paul in this passage says, you know what? I can actually boast of the great things that God has done through me. And that I've seen God. And he says, you know what? Actually, it happened 14 years ago. And actually, in this passage, he, talked, he talks kind of like in the third person. He says, I know a man who 14 years ago was in the presence of God. He went to a third heaven. I don't even know what that means. A third heaven. But actually, what we know is that he was even closer to God. He was in the very presence of God. And he says, I saw things that I cannot even begin to tell. No man is actually allowed to express these things. I have been there. I don't even know if I was, you know, in body or out of it. I actually don't even know. But I was in this, uh, you know, moment where I was in the very presence of God. And I saw greater and mighty things. So he says, I can be boasting about these things. I can be telling you about these things. But he says, you know what? There's something else that God allowed to happen to me. God allowed that I can have, uh, you know, this thorn in the flesh. He said it was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I prayed to God, please God remove it. He says I pleaded with the Lord. I pleaded with God to remove this thorn in the flesh. But God says to me, no, I'm not going to remove it. But I want you to know that my grace 
is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. What that means is that my power works best when there is weakness. My power works best when there is weakness. Now we do not know about what, what this thorn in the flesh is. There's a lot of speculations of what it is. Some, would, some suggest it to be malaria. I know it was not malaria. I've suffered malaria. It's bad, but you get over it after drinking la, taking in la for a couple of days. So it's not probably malaria, but it was something that was constant. Uh, you know, uh, a thorn in the flesh uh, suggests was something that was, uh, you know, an affliction that he experienced physically. And, uh, you know, it was there. And he say, when he says, I pleaded with the Lord three times, it's not just like in the morning, God, please remove this. And then in the afternoon, God, please remove this. And then later on, God, uh, you know, it's not like that. He was really praying. Maybe he even fasted. Maybe he had days of just praying and praying and praying again for God to remove it. Because it was constant. It was always present. This pain was always there. And he prayed three times for God to remove it. But God said, no, for my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. God provides his grace when we are in the very moment of pain. When we are in the very moment of suffering, he provides his grace. He provides his grace. And this is, when you're reading about this, you kind of like, you know, you're comforted in a way that you can actually relate with Paul. Because all of us have weaknesses. All of us are limited. All of us either are going, have gone, or we will go through some sort of pain through some sort of suffering that is your thorn in the flesh what is your thorn in the flesh for some some of you it could be a mistake that you made a mistake that you made that you wish never happened you wish it would go away but it's now part of your story it's there for you and you're constantly beating yourself up i wish i never did that i wish i never treated that person that way I wish it never ever happened to me. And it's constantly there. Maybe it's a disease that you've been praying for God to take away. But it's there. And you actually cry for God. And beg him for him to take it away from you. But it's still there. Maybe it could be your you know, finances. You have tried all you could. But nothing is really going forward. Maybe you're just constantly losing opportunities. You apply for a job, you think it's coming, and then it's gone. You apply for a school opportunity, and to to get a scholarship, you're confident it's going to come, but it's gone. Maybe it is a relationship, and you have tried all you could to get things right, but nothing is going right. Nothing is getting better. Maybe it is your marriage. You're fighting for it, and you're wanting to give up on it. Maybe it is a member of your family that you've been praying for a long time, for God to save, or maybe for God to heal, or maybe for God to rescue in some other way, but nothing is happening. Maybe there is an addiction that you cannot shake off. 
addiction that you cannot shake off and you're doing all you could. But nothing is happening because what we are often looking for is that God will remove this pain. We want to run away from the pain. But actually, Jesus wants us to face our pain with him. And this means, you know what, you acknowledge that the pain is there. But to also know that you're not alone in the pain. You're not alone in the pain because his grace is sufficient. His grace is enough in that very dark moment. In that moment of loneliness and, uh, you know, crying to yourself and not knowing what will happen. When you feel like there's no way out for you. In that moment, God says, you know what, I see you. And I am with you in that very moment because he provides his grace in that moment of pain and great difficulty. As we are finishing this sermon today, uh, this series today, and I just wanted to just encourage you this morning um, to just encourage you that we'll be encouraged in the Lord. But all of us have faced difficult moments when we have prayed and nothing has happened. My friend, Andy, as he shared, that he has fasted and prayed, and, but still feeling like nothing is really happening. Uh, the first moment where my faith really, really got tested, I was 16 years old. So I came to know the Lord when I was 13 years old. And, um, you know, at 16, I was uh, going into markets and preaching Jesus, going into uh, hospitals and preaching Jesus. Uh, and though in our neighborhood, there was this guy, John. And John was one of the most difficult guys in our hood. You do not want to mess up with John. He's going to come beat you and beat everybody in your family. He was intense. You know, if you see him coming, you better walk, you know, and, and you know, turn the other way. Because sometimes you'd be like, why is your hair looking like that? Look at you. Pah. You'd be like, come on, John. But you know what? John came to know Jesus. John came to the Lord, and he came to actually our church then. And we were meeting in this uh, little uh, classroom, and we, know, we would sing choruses, clapping our hands. And John came in and was a part of that group. was so on fire for God, and I was super, super excited, you know, to see Joy, John come to the Lord. And now moving together with him as a brother, eating together as a brother, good friend. John became sick. He was about... 22 or 23 years old, became sick, and he was just actually staying down, uh, you know, from where we were staying, maybe five houses uh, down the road. And um, so when he became sick, uh, we just thought, okay, it's malaria, and then the situation became worse and worse. So I would go in to pray with John, uh, you know, to pray with him and encourage him, uh, pray with him and encourage him, and days would go, and his situation was not getting better at all, deteriorating through and through. And uh, he would walk sometimes, but now he couldn't walk. They tried all they could, going to the clinics, but nothing was actually really happening. Um, so there was one night I said, you know what, I will fast actually. Uh, you know, tomorrow I'm going to fast. And then at the end of the day, I will go and pray with John. So I fasted that day. In the evening, I went, you know, all fired up. You know, I brought all my grenades in prayer, 
and like, you know what, today God is doing something great. Today God is doing something new. So I went to pray with him, and uh, John was the firstborn in a family of three, and he had two sisters. Both his parents died, uh, but they left a, a house, so they were staying in this house, and I think another one where they were renting out to be getting money for food. So his sisters that night joined in, and I said, yeah, we need more people so we could pray together. Uh, so, you know, I prayed a very passionate prayer, praying for John, that God would heal him, that God would rescue him from this disease, whatever it was. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, at the end, I said, amen. And when I said amen, John did not say amen. In my amen, John breathed his last. He died. 16 years old, seeing his body right there, lifeless, lying. And God did not heal him. God took him. And I have to tell you that um, I struggled with that. I struggled with why. Why would God allow this young man, you know, who was causing trouble in the hood? Why would God not allow him to leave so that people would say, oh, look at John who was causing trouble, but now he's preaching the gospel. Why would God let him go and die? And I think the most that I struggled with was, why would God let him die in my prayer? That was really hard. I know some of you are like, ooh, I have to think twice to invite Humphreys to come and pray for me next time. <laughs> but I struggled with that. But you know what? His grace in that very moment was sufficient for myself and for John. John died a very peaceful death. His pain was taken away in a way that God allowed him to be with him for eternity. And God did not take away the pain, did not take away the disease. But God affirmed his presence and said, my grace is sufficient in this moment. His grace alone is sufficient. And when we are talking about grace, grace is a gift that has been given for free. We do not deserve his grace. It's a gift that has been given for free to us. And that we know that we are limited. We are weak, but God is strong. So I want you to know today that acknowledge your limitations. And by acknowledging them, I do not mean that you're using them as an excuse to not do anything. But to see your limitations, to see your weaknesses as a doorway to allow God to work through your limitations. To allow God to work through your limitations. Don't look and focus on your limitations, but look to his unlimitedness to fulfill his purpose. God provides grace in the midst of difficulty. So that when we experience his power, we would look more to his grace than to our abilities. We would look more to his grace than to our abilities. God's grace is more than enough. Not in the absence of weakness, but in the very presence of weakness. 
God's grace is more, more than enough, not in the absence of weakness, but in the very presence of weakness. And what does that do to us when we realize and see God's grace in our lives? And to see, as Paul said, you know what? I'm not going to boast in these other, you know, great visions and, and revelations. I'm not going to boast in those things. In fact, this thorn in the flesh was given to me so that I cannot become conceited. I could not be uh, proudful. God rescued me from pride so that people would not think more highly of me. People would not think more highly of me. So when we know that in the very weakness, God provides his grace, what does that do to us? It changes our prayers. It changes our prayers. For when we pray, when we're in the moment of pain, the first prayer is that God, please remove this pain. God, please remove this suffering from me. But when we, real, we realize that God's grace is actually sufficient, it's actually more than enough, it changes the way we pray. We say, not my will, but your will be done. Let your kingdom come. And you know when you pray, let, her, let your kingdom come, you're also saying, let my kingdom go. Let my kingdom go. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Paul was praying, yeah, God, remove this thorn, remove this pain, remove this suffering. And God says, no, 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 look, that my grace is actually sufficient for you in that very moment of pain. My grace is sufficient. It actually works best when you're in that moment of luck. My grace is actually working better when you're in that moment of luck. Because luck is just like an ingredient for God's grace to show up. So he says, no. And he says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He moved his prayer from God, removed this thorn to God. I want your power to rest on me. I want your power to rest on me. I want your power to rest on me. And he says, I'll gladly, I'll actually delight in these weaknesses. I'll delight in my limitations because I'm excited for what God will do. I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see his power rest on me. So it changes our power moving from focus to be self-centered. We look outward to God. And we're full of praise and we're full of worship and we want his power alone to be manifested in the world. Your prayer changes in a way that you pray to God to open up your eyes so that you can see his grace. So you can experience his grace, his grace that he provides in the midst of difficulty. But not only does this change our prayers, but also changes our perception. Our view of God is highly defined in weakness when we embrace the grace he provides through it. In weakness, our view of God changes. Suffering brings this focus 
on God. Because through suffering, through weaknesses, we know that actually we are weak. We are limited. We cannot help ourselves. So therefore, the way we actually perceive ourselves is different because we see ourselves as those who cannot do without his grace. So we do not exhort ourselves highly. We do not think too highly of ourselves. But we think too highly of him. We think too highly of him. But also it changes the perception that you have of the world. Weakness, limitation. When you acknowledge your limitation, when you acknowledge your weakness, it changes the way you view the world. You begin to empathize with the suffering world around you. You begin to empathize with the suffering world around you. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I went to, uh, you know, to a, a clinic, uh, maybe like in, um, around 9 p.m. Uh, one of our members was not doing well, so we had gone to, to pray uh, with them and uh, you know, to, to just comfort them and say, we are here for you. And um, just being in the hospital, and to see the suffering around was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. People just lying on the floor because there are not enough beds. And, um, yeah, the disease um, that's getting hold of people. And, and you see it there. And you feel overwhelmed. You feel overwhelmed. There's so much suffering in our world. And you as a believer, when you recognize your weakness... You empathize with other people. You empathize with others. I was, um, I was getting a key made uh, this week, and I went to a shop. And um, so I knew the lady that was running the shop uh, of uh, Asian descent. And I said, oh, the other shop you guys are not opening. What's happening? She said, oh, actually, we close it off uh, because uh, my husband is very, very sick at the moment. So I said, oh. Sorry to hear about that. And I just kind of like asked a little bit more of what's really happening. And, and, and at the end of that chat, she said, thank you. Thank you for asking. You know, I want to tell you that I want prayer. I want prayer. And they said, we'll be praying for you. As believers, you know, people should, uh, you know, feel free to come and chat with us and talk with us. And we should feel free to go and talk to people because we understand we can relate with them that even even ourselves we are weak and we are limited but God provides his grace in the very moment of weakness in the very moment of weakness your limitation can actually be a platform that God meets other people through your weakness through your pain through your suffering because every single person can actually relate to pain. Every single person can relate to suffering. Because if we go out in the world and imagine talking about, oh, yesterday I showed God, you know, I was in the third heaven. And, you know, I, sh I saw things uh, that I cannot even say. And I saw these visions. And people are going to look at you and be like, hey, he or she is a superhuman being. She's like in the presence of God and meeting God. And Paul says, I'm not going to boast about those things, but I'll boast in my weaknesses because people relate with us when we talk to them, when we come and serve them from a place of weakness, from a place of limitation. 
And I know we are too afraid to cry. We are too afraid to show things that we think will bring shame on us. We are quick to hide, quick to conceal. But when we expose our weaknesses, Jesus exposes us to his strength. And I know because the world exploits on weakness, doesn't it? It feeds on weakness. But God does not use your weakness against you. He doesn't. He does not throw you down. Look at you, weak person. No. Because in the very moment of weakness, his grace is more uplifting when you are in your, in your lowest moments. His grace is more uplifting when you're in your lowest moments. So admit your weaknesses. Be vulnerable. Because when you're limited, in your limited moments, those moments are a platform for you to experience God's grace. For you to experience his limitless grace. Uh, there is this, or there was a lady by the name of Anne Johnson Flint. Anne Johnson Flint, uh, she was born Anne Johnson, but her parents, both her parents died. So the Flint family took her in. And she started staying with them, uh, but they also got ill and, and they died. Um, and uh, you know, Anne Johnson, an amazing poet, um, she also later on um, you know, got some sort of a disease. And she became very, very sick. Actually, I think they said for a period of over like 30 years, she was very sick. She was so sick that her limbs began to die. And when she was lying uh, on, on, on her mat, she also developed a cancer in her stomach. And um, the writer of her biography says, uh, in, in, that last, in those last days, uh, when she was about to die, she developed a lot of boils all over her body. In fact, they had to put, uh, they have to, to put about eight pillows to kind of get her a bit comfortable around her. She was so much in pain. So much in pain. But she was an amazing poet and she wrote this. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he added his mercy. To multiplied trials, he's multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance... When our strength has failed, all the day is half done. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. And Johnson Flint. She went through a lot of pain. And she wrote this out of this very passage. God's grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And she wrote this incredible poem. And when you understand it more when you look at this story of hers. And just seeing how much pain she went through. How much suffering she went through. 
His grace has been provided for you. And we understand God's grace when we look up to the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ shows us of a God who became helpless so we can find help. The cross of God, the cross of Jesus shows us a God who became sin so we can find salvation for our sins. The cross shows us of a God who was weak so he could become our strength. The cross of Jesus Christ. There is no any other hope in the world other than the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. And we know that when he died, he rose again. And through his resurrection, we are reminded that we're going to live for eternity. In his glory, with no pain, no suffering. He's been lifted up high and he has conquered death and has conquered the grave. He is your hope. He's your hope.